Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 42 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding the show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. This week's guest is from the UK, and we'll be chatting with Anna Webb, and she'll be telling us all about her miniature bull terrier, Prudence. First, in some doggy news... There was some footage going around Facebook, I think it was, a short time ago of a couple of uh, bully breed dogs uh, by the name of Spanky and Roman and their pet guardians had some video going while they were away. Uh, Apparently one of them, I think uh, Roman had a hematoma on his ear and it sort of like got a bit worse. He was lying on the floor and when no one was around, Spanky grabbed their dog bed from across the room and dragged it over and so they could both get on it and be more comfortable. So, yeah, you got to look after your friends, don't you? And if you are in Cleveland in the U.S., you are probably going to look forward to the opening this summer of a place called Bark and Brew. Bark and Brew is an indoor dog park and self-paw bar. Apparently it's going to be about a 20,000 square foot interactive space that will house a splash pad, a pool, a doggy daycare, a rooftop patio, and of course, the self-paw bar. So there could be some interesting stories coming out of that location. Anyway, on with this week's interview. So, uh, yes, because um, I have I have been on your website, Robert, so I, I love the way that you do Reiki and massage. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, because um, I actually trained with the College of Integrated Veterinary Therapies, who are Australian, funnily enough. So I did all my study online. And as part of that, studied a lot of massage techniques from your Tellington Touch to uh, the Garland Therapy Technique, where you do your skin rolls, you know, mm-hmm. which I love doing. I do that all the time with everybody. Yeah, well, my animals. <laughs> Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a great way to uh, use as a base to uh, uh, develop a, a better uh, or to further the relationship between you and your dog or, or animal. For that matter. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And it's mutually beneficial. And of course, when you have uh, an emergency surgery um, rehabilitation situation on your hands. <laughs> segueing now into prudence uh to have some massage techniques up your sleeve can really really pay dividends oh, absolutely so you mentioned prudence who is going to be the subject of today's interview um pretty much like i ask all my guests can you take us 
back in time to just before you guys got together and talk us through the hows and whys of that. Okay. So, uh, in uh, July 2015, uh, my first miniature bull terrier named Molly sadly broke my heart and passed away. Uh, I spent the best 13 years of my life with Molly. We did so much together, not least helping to create a, a radio show on BBC Radio London called The Barking Hour. It was at first called Barking at the Moon when we aired at night. And as such, because we were airing at night, we had a lot of Australian listeners and it was a very cult show and it went from success to success. It led to quite a lot of television work. And Molly was a natural. Uh, she really was a natural on, on lots of live television sets. Um, even when we did a scary episode on, I say scary, we, we were just a spokesperson on BBC Breakfast. Um, but Molly took it in her stride. I maybe didn't so much, but she was, she was my rock. She was, a, 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 the way I describe Molly, was that she was my demon in the way that Philip Pullman, I don't know, Robert, if you know his work, um, he wrote The Northern Lights and they made, they've made lots of films of this. Um, there's a series in the UK. Okay, it's a massive compliment. It's basically your soul. So in his, his terms as an author, the demon represents all the good and your outward human experience uh, persona it isn't so good basically anyway so molly was um int we were intricately connected um and i think it was all the experiences we shared together to be honest and her passing literally derailed me uh, there's lots of reasons to that which we won't go into now and I thought, well, you know, I'll wait. Um, can't possibly ever replace her. And that was never, ever a thought in my mind. But lots of people were ringing me up. Anna, you know, would you like this puppy? Would you like this puppy? And I kept saying, no, 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 no. And then one evening, I, I was feeling really lonely, actually. So I went on um, some websites looking for a miniature bull terrier puppy, not your sort of websites, I must hasten to add quickly, that are sort of buying one on the internet in the way that people perhaps did during lockdown. It wasn't that sort of a looking for a purchase. I was actually researching some breeders in Germany as lots of leading lights in the miniature bull terrier world. So Molly was a miniature bull terrier. Mm -hmm. uh, suggested to me to look to get a puppy from Germany due to their rigorous breeding uh, standards over there and due to the fact that they'd really made an effort in Germany and still continue to do so to make the miniature bull terrier miniature because bull terriers come in two sizes. And over in the UK, the miniature bull terriers had gradually got bigger and bigger and bigger mm -hmm. to the point where you may as well have just got a standard bull terrier. But I'm quite petite. I'm five foot two. <laughs> and really, a standard bull terrier living in London isn't as sensible to get as a miniature. Anyway, I reached out to um, 
a lovely woman called Yutta. And uh, she hadn't even advertised that she had a litter, but I wrote to her through her website and I said, look, um, I was wondering if you, you know, might have a litter fairly soon. I've just lost Molly. Um, and being quite known in the miniature bull terrier world, she, she replied straight away and said, I can't believe you've emailed because you, and it was true what she was saying, you know, she had literally her, uh, her bitch had just given birth to five miniature bull terrier puppies and um, they hadn't even been advertised um, yet. And she found that a little bit spooky, you know, <laughs> so um, our conversation from there developed and I went over to Germany to fill up, fill up my time, you know, and visited Prudence three times. I used to send her voice messages <laughs> so she'd get used to my voice. Um, Yuta used to uh, tune into the radio show. So Prudence, as a puppy, would hear me talking on the radio, of course. And uh, I obviously visited, took her toys, took her blankets, took her pieces of my clothing. So And I took bedding from my cat's bed so that she'd know my cat's smell the minute you know, she walked through the door. Nice, so a lot yeah. of prep, yeah, a lot of preparation went into Prudence's arrival. And her breeder, we're still friends, a very occasional litter breeder, lived in this amazing place in Germany. The nearest airport was Dusseldorf. So I flew to Dusseldorf, but it was still a good hour and a half's drive away from the airport. And she had told me that she lived right on the edge of a forest. <laughs> so anyway, she really did. <laughs> so we'd, we'd go for walks with her other dogs. She only had um, four in total. So anyway, it was just brilliant to spend time again with the miniature bull terrier. And so we had to bring Prudence into the UK under the pet passport scheme, which was all fine, which meant I couldn't bring her in until she was 16 weeks. And okay. yeah, so what I decided to do, because I couldn't possibly think of her flying in the hold, and I took advice and really for such a short distance, might be different if somebody was bringing a dog over from Australia to the UK. Well, you haven't got any choice. The dog would have to fly in the hold, I think. But um, so what I did, it was really brave. I drove all the way to Germany in my Mini. <laughs> <laughs> and then I met the breeder down in southern Belgium, which was kind of this equidistant point. She drove down to Belgium uh, to the most southern tip, to this really old medieval town, the oldest town in Belgium called Tongeren. And because she said it would be great because on the Sunday, I obviously did this over a long weekend as of work and what have you. So on this Sunday in this old, really gorgeous, wiggly streets, cobbled streets, black and white buildings, beautiful roofed houses. They have the biggest flea market in Europe. Now, I'm quite a fan of vintage stuff and crazy little knickknacks, you know. So um, we met at, at this place and at, um, at, my, at my hotel, which was actually this crazy farmhouse, B&B. &B. That's another story in itself. And I did explain to her, the, the woman that ran this bed and breakfast, that... Um, 
I, you know, the whole point of me coming over was to pick up my puppy. So there would be a night <laughs> where the puppy would be in my room. So we cleared all of that and that was all going to be fine. And what could go wrong? You might ask yourself at this point. <laughs> so there I am at breakfast and the drive, it nearly killed me. I mean, A, because you when you go to Europe from England, you have to drive on the wrong side of the road. So they drive on the right and we drive on the left. And I, I literally went on my own. A good friend of mine was going to come with me. And then at the last minute, I was furious. She blew me out. She said, oh, I can't come out. I've got a work project. I'm really sorry. I'm like, Ivana, I'm driving to Germany. Um, I, I, I need some support. Any road up. The, the beauty of sat-navs. Okay. So there I am in my little mini with a Union Jack on the roof. We had to, and it was winter. So I planned the journey meticulously and I had to get through Brussels by two o'clock in the afternoon in order to get to my destination while it was still mostly daylight because I did draw the line at driving on the wrong side of the road where I didn't know where I was going in the dark. That was That's just too enough. much. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. Anyway, miraculously, I did actually get to my destination. I was so proud of myself and, uh, and, and then couldn't wait for Yutta to get get down for breakfast that was the plan we were going to have breakfast together and it, that, this all happened and there was prudence by this time I hadn't seen Prue probably four four weeks so it was it was a great 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 moment that's all I can say there she was she obviously remembered me she knew who I was because we'd seen each other before and yeah, it was joy. It was joy. I thought, great. My life now really, really can get back on track because it had gone a bit off track. And um, what we did, we went down to the flea market. We wandered around. So the idea was to give Prudence her first really big socialization, sensory experience. And you know what, Robert, she took it so well. She she really took the whole thing in her stride. Um, oh, nice. Yes, she met other dogs. She met this bulldog. There's a very funny photo of her somewhere with this bulldog because she is really, really small. So this bulldog, that was an average size bulldog, a big white one, um, looked literally like a giant. And she was like this little piglet because, you know, bull terriers do resemble pigs a bit, but in a good way. And uh, she was great. And then um, we said goodbye to Yuta because she had about a four hour drive to get back to home. And we just kind of hunkered down for the night together in this extraordinary barn that was this huge room with these um, polished wood floors. And I'd brought everything with me. You know, I brought her raw food with me in this special cooler bag. So I don't know what you feed your dogs, Robert, but I'm very much a raw food feeder, a uh, complete balanced uh, raw food feeder, which I believe. Yep, I can say I'm the same. Oh, you're the same. Marvellous. So it does optimise health, doesn't it? You know, Absolutely. So Prue had her, had her tucker and I brought some toys with me. And, then, and I think that was when I first got the clue that Prue was going to be a bit of a live wire, really. She was so excited. So she, she devised this game where she got one of the toys and she could just fit under the bed with the toy and then just slide 
this with this it was a like a cow that um was a kong product actually uh, brilliant for puppies because it kind of scrunches and it i think it did squeak well not for long uh, <laughs> but um yeah she but it's this wonderful toy and she never seen anything like it before and this it was like christmas for pruders anyway luckily after a few hours bearing in mind this puppy had been up for a very long time that day had done a flea market I mean I was exhausted but um, it took a while for Prue to calm down and then um, I thought right we'd better practice putting you in your 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 crate for the journey tomorrow <laughs> so this really didn't work at all um, <laughs> and it was one of those canvas crates because my car's a mini as I said it's not very big so the idea and Prue was tiny I knew she'd be tiny so I'd gotten her one of those canvas crates that fold down and then pop up again um, but she thought this canvas crate was great fun so um, she managed to break it within about 10 minutes she was kind of rolling it along the floor like she was in some sort of um dodgem or something um so that was all a bit like oh great Prue anyway we managed to kind of fix it um we didn't get a lot of sleep Prue ended up sleeping curled um up on my shoulder with her head stuck in my neck um and I thought that's it I've I've now broken every dog training rule in the book um <laughs> Um, how am I ever going to get her to sleep in a bed now? This is it. This is it. I've, I've been so bad. Um, anyway, we had a few accidents on the floor, which were a bit of a drama the next day. So after I'd managed to clean all of that up as best I could, we headed off to do the return journey. And I've got to say, she was the best passenger ever. There were no accidents. There was no sick. There was no whining. There was no, oh, are we there yet? And so we did. We stopped a few times on the way because it's a it's a long way. I don't know how many miles it was now, but it was about a seven hour drive each way. Yeah. Um, and then we got to uh, the passport control. And because I was literally bringing her back into the UK on the very first day, the very first opportunity I could get her home, you know, um, there was a bit of a confusion at passport control. So I was really holding my breath and they were counting the days because you have to wait three weeks uh, after the, the rabies shot uh, before you can enter the UK. Anyway, it was all fine. And um we we made the journey home. She she went on the Euro Tunnel, and she was great. So we get back, and at the time I was living in Buckinghamshire, because uh, at one point I had this crazy idea to move out of London to what I call a shire. You know, in England we have these shires. It's Buckinghamshire, Hertfordshire. I don't know if you have those in Australia. Anyway, um, I was in a shire and in a very old cottage. And a friend of mine had been minding Gremlin and my other little dog, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Binks. That's Prudence. Prudence. <laughs> yes, Mr. Binks, you see, he's, he's teasing, he's winding her up. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> Normally, I'm more prepared for this. I actually thought she was going to settle Robert. That's all right. Is, it's the evening here, obviously, and she's had a great day. Any road up, we open the door to the cottage and there's Mr. Binks and um, Gremlin, my cat, who adored Molly, was upstairs. So um, I, I carried Prue up the stairs and there was Gremlin. 
And the strangest thing he did, because you know cats and dogs have a sixth sense, but I would argue that cats are more tuned to the sixth sense. So he did this massive double take. And Gremlin's a big cat. He weighs eight kilos and he's not fat. And um, it's a stunning tuxedo marking cat, Gremlin. And it was just his double take that he did that really made me think, oh my gosh, could Molly be reborn in prudence? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, that's how that was our, our, that was our first day really. So it was quite a big journey, uh, you know, to get Prue. And after that, uh, the training began and, um, long story, she was very easy to train because prudence, interestingly, it's hard to say what makes an average bull terrier, but Prue is, she's more like a working cocker spaniel in a miniature bull terrier's body in that she's so active the whole time. What I noticed about her from the get-go, all dogs sniff, of course they do. All dogs love sniffing, yes. But Prudence's sniffing was something else. Uh, She would sniff a tiny bit of grass for about 20 minutes. I exaggerate maybe, but not that much. Um, she She really explored the whole world totally with her nose. And uh, I remember thinking, my word, if you weren't a miniature bull terrier, we could probably, you know, start a new career and you could be a professional sniffer dog. Um, so anyway, we, you know, I played lots of games with her, lots of uh, uh, hide and seek. So from an early age, she was trained to find whether it was a Kong or a tennis ball apologies for this um hopefully she'll settle down robert look it's, it's um, her podcast she's entitled to have a say in it. it is her podcast yes yes she likes to have her say uh she's not shy prudence her personality yeah. is very tada is the only way to describe it she's very very gregarious but mm-hmm. so good tempered which of course with any breed but especially strong breeds like bull terriers it's very important that uh you know she likes everybody other dogs um i don't know if she really likes other cats her and gremlin tolerate each other uh that's because gremlin really helped me with prudence's training (laughs) and as you'll know robert there isn't a lot of positive reinforcement um when it comes to cats and dogs (laughs) so prudence learned very early on to respect the claw And it's only been recently in the last sort of 18 months, possibly because of lockdown, that her and Gremlin are actually getting on. It's taken this long. Um, There was a point where Gremlin would walk into the room and Prudence would leave, (laughs) which I know probably sounds a bit awful. but Respecting each other's boundaries. Exactly, exactly. Because Gremlin, um, you know, didn't pull a punch um, and, you know, get quite cross with Prudence when she was clearly monkeying around, 
doing something naughty again, like jumping on my desk, stealing another pen, chewing it, <laughs> coming through into the kitchen, like, you know, with her halo shining, like it, I've been such a good girl while you've been preparing my dinner, except the clue would be her feet that are white would be blue. And then all around her chin <laughs> would be blue from the biro she just chewed. <laughs> that that was, um, you know, obviously then, because you have to be so careful with puppies but Prue could jump so she you could actually say she's part kangaroo as well and no fear of heights and no fear of doing some really quite reckless jumps which ended up unfortunately with her quite early on uh doing her kneecap in so maybe we, we could talk about the rehab of her kneecap in due course um so right I've got to keep in a straight line with this but Prue was easy <laughs> to train so within Within a, a month, Prudence had learned all of the tricks. It took probably about six years to train with Molly. So everything from a downstay, because she was so hyper the whole time, training was obviously a tool I could use to guide her, control her, um, and be able to navigate the great outdoors with her. So... Um, Yes. So she learned to speak on command at an early age and give a paw and roll over, play dead. What else she can do? Walk backwards, which is one of my favorite tricks to train, as that's a very useful asset, Robert, don't you think? With things like doorways, fridges, Absolutely. That's good for dishwashers. The, um, for the, just the awareness. Uh, I'm going to stumble over the pronunciation now. Precipitation. Precipitation. Yeah, I know what you mean, spatial awareness type thing. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. um, does she, with the training, respond for more for like food reward or play or toy? Both, actually, both. But I'm a great believer in play as being the stronger reinforcement tool, to be honest. Food, after a while, I find gets boring for dogs. Oh, crumbs, another treat. Definitely, well, actually, going back to the farmhouse where I was staying in the B&B in Belgium, the first thing I did that evening was clicker train her. So I brought over some really soft chicken with me and a Tupperware and little crumbs of cheese and my clicker. And it was click, cheese, click, cheese, click, cheese, round of 10, pause, another round of 10. And so basically within about 15 minutes, she was clicker trained. So yes, so a lot of thought had gone into Prudence's arrival. Yes, I shall get her desensitized to the, the clicker that evening. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then she's quite she her energy is just off the graph. So what I what I enjoyed doing when I was a child was some junior handling at dog shows. So at the beginning of my time with Molly, we went to some dog shows, we qualified for crafts and we did all of that. Really as a socialization experience, because you'll know that dog shows are wonderful places to uh 
habituate dogs to other dogs, mainly because all the handlers there are real dog people. So they understand about the five second rule with dogs. And Prue wasn't too overwhelmed because nobody, everyone knowing dogs and knowing bull terriers, be like, well, you know, we'll give her space. I'm not going to let my bull terrier go over to her and jump on her head. Like you get many dogs at the moment. I don't know about you in Australia, but in, in, in England, some dogs are allowed to run around the park um, and the owner has not much control and dogs might jump over to your dog and then play very, very boisterously. They don't have a recall. Um, and if they kind of push the limits with your dog, then you could be in an awkward situation because the other, the owner of the dog that's causing mischief um, uh, doesn't have a recall. Does that happen in Australia? A, a coffee somewhere, yeah. I think that's uh, pretty much worldwide in, in quite a, in just about all dog parks, I think. <laughs> yes. So anyway, but dog shows, it's very controlled atmosphere. It's all about training, you know, to stand still, to allow a complete stranger to examine the dog. So open their mouth, touch their feet, go over their body, which of course is basically a vet check. And um, it's basically also um, walking to heel in a nice, elegant fashion, or you hope so. But Prudence, um, yes, she she used to love, um, I used to call it sideways bungee jumping. So we'd go for walks on the pavement and she'd be all over the place. So that's where certain focus tools that I always train my, my clients to use with their dogs, things like, you'll know, the touch command, Robert, where you can um, encourage the dog to be by your side simply by asking them to nose your hand. So mm -hmm. touch your hand with their nose and those fun type of focus tools that are so useful, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, Prue's a dab hand at all of that. So um, then anyway, long story short, but we moved back to London from the Shires, which was the best thing to do. And uh, since then, Prue's become a dab hand traveling on a double decker London bus and dab hand at the underground, dab hand at the overground. Um, escalators, we do, but we have to carry, Prue has to be carried up the escalators, all dogs have to be carried up the escalators. So what Prue devised, because she's, she's about 14 kilos, so I'll, I'll have her under my arm by the side of the moving banister. And what she taught herself to do all by herself was basically try and skateboard up the banister. So <laughs> she's got one of her paws on the moving bit going up, which <laughs> takes the weight from my arm and it keeps her steady and she loves it. And, but, and then when we go down the escalator, she does the same thing. But when you're going down the escalator, the people coming up the escalator the other side, <laughs> they just loved it. So Prude get all these compliments, smiles, laughter. And she knows and she, that people are talking about her. So she'd be smiling. You know how Volterias have a great big smile, <laughs> smiling as she's sliding down the escalator after we might have gone to check this out our dog friendly cinema screening on a Sunday morning. Do you have that in Oz yet? Uh, no. Just uh, uh, tell us briefly about the. Dog-friendly okay, cinema, so, I love it. Oh, oh, it's amazing. For me, it's the most inspired dog-friendly development that we've had in the last uh, 15 years. Sadly, Molly, my first miniature bull terrier, 
didn't get to see dog friendly cinema and she would have adored it because she was on the lazy side. Molly had the lazy gene, which most bull terriers tend to be born with. Unfortunately, Prudence doesn't have a lazy gene, but, um, Taking her, so this is at Piccadilly, right? So right, Piccadilly Circus, right in the heart of where everything happens in London at a cinema called the Picture House Central. Massive chain, proper cinema. And they launched dog-friendly screenings where on a Sunday morning at about 10 o'clock, dogs and their owners can come and see a film. Uh, Dogs get a seat for free. They also get a blanket to put on the seat. So you only pay for one seat. So the dog sees the film for free, which I quite like that little kind of (laughs) joke about it. Yeah. And, um, and they serve doggy popcorn, doggy ice cream, the works. And it's just lots of fun. And you go with a friend and their dog. So it's a real social experience and meet up with like-minded people. It was the best thing ever. I mean, obviously, since lockdown, this hasn't been happening. And it's one of the activities I was saying earlier that, um, you know, both me and the dogs are missing. Lovely. And and would you believe it, Robert? Go on. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask, how many dogs would there be at a, at a, a screening that you've gone to? Loads, it was a whole, like a proper cinema room dedicated to dogs. So you know, it depends on the, on the, on the film. Now, when uh, this film called Isle of Dogs, uh, it's a cartoon. It was actually made local to me in, in Hackney in London. Did you see it? I mean, it, it, it was global, no. a really oh, clever no. cartoon with a really good message to it. Uh, very clever, lots of holograms in it very clever grown-up animation when that launched in london every single picture house central cinema across london and there's about 30 of them they were all dog friendly for the launch and uh so a whole cinema room so there was a that day there must have been gosh well over a hundred dogs wow Um, that is impressive Yes, lots of them are small, so that's okay. And they would sit on the chair. And what happens with the cinema? Of course, dogs don't know they're watching the the premiere of Isle of Dogs. (laughs) But um, they all fall asleep because the lights go down. Everyone's calm. All their humans relax and enjoy a movie. Their humans aren't on a smartphone. They're not on a laptop. Uh, You know, the phone's not ringing. And so dogs are happy. They've got their owners all to themselves. The owner's cortisol levels are dropping. You're laughing, you're enjoying the film, whatever. And it's just this great moment in time. And then you've got your journey there and your journey back. And by the end of all that, the dog is actually worn out. Oh, I love it. Love the idea. It's really brilliant. Gosh, if you come to London, we'll have to go, you know, to because you won't believe it. But um and yes, because dog friendliness in London uh, as well has soared. Back in 2002, when I got Molly, nowhere was dog friendly, Robert. There, you know, we have pubs over here. There'd be the odd pub that would let a dog in. And when you found a pub that was dog friendly, you held on to it. You know, that was your local forever. You know, so you could go and take your dog with you. I'm very much about all of that. I like my dogs to experience my life side by side um, yes good I'm glad I'm glad you agree but now everywhere's dog friendly because 
canny entrepreneurs have so cotton on to what I call the hound pound. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, the hound pound. So, yeah, so let's not alienate um, 30% of Londoners and um, let's let dogs come into the restaurant, the cafe, uh, the pub. Um, but beyond that, there's so many great activities that that are going on. There was um, an event I, I really wanted to go to, but I wasn't quick enough to get tickets, unfortunately. Uh, but it was a trampolining event for dogs. <laughs> and I just thought Prudence would be the champion at this because this is what she was born to do, just bounce up and down. But anyway, we didn't get to that that event. But something brilliant that I did, brilliant, was um, there's this, so you know in London we've got, we've obviously got the River Thames, but then we've got canals, lots of canals, and then there's the ca- canal called the Regent's Canal, which goes kind of really through the centre of London and up to London Zoo, right? So that this canal, and you hire a boat, and you go with friends, and you have a really nice time. So I was invited by um, uh, one of the main dog blogs in um the UK called the dog vine to come along and experience it. So I took Prudence. She wore a life vest mm-hmm. and it was a really sunny day and it was great. She just loved it. But again, just a quirky thing to do with your dogs. And um, we went past London Zoo and there were all the monkeys. You see a lot of monkeys and all these monkeys were monkeying around and Prue clocked the monkeys, smelt the monkeys. So that was quite funny. Um, but yes, she was good as gold on the boat, a little speedboat going up uh, the Regent's Canal. Ah, loads of fun. That's great. Loving all these adventures. Yes. Oh, yeah. And well, oh, okay. So I'm going to, I don't know how much time we've got. We're probably talking too much, Robert. Not at all. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, never. <laughs> when, it, um, when it comes to talking about your dog, no limit. <laughs> okay. All right. So. It's going to get really exciting now. So um, I launched my podcast, A Dog's Life, and uh, uh, last year on the 1st of March. And one of my first guests was somebody I really admire. Uh, you hopefully have heard of him. His name is um, Police Constable Dave Wardell, whose dog is a dog called Finn, a German shepherd, a police dog, and his name is Canine Finn. Uh, uh, have you heard of him? I Yes, I have, but I can't quite recall too many details. Okay, well, he nearly died in the line of duty on a normal night of work. And uh, Dave went through the, the real trauma and the guilt um, of putting his dog into this situation. It wasn't his fault. Dave didn't know that this criminal had this massive... Massive knife. I don't know what sort of knife it was, but a massive knife. And what Finn did, the knife was heading to Dave and would have killed him. And Finn was a big German Shepherd, stunning dog, uh, fearless, protecting his master, just jumped into the knife so that the knife literally missed his heart by, you know, millimeters. He's lucky to be alive, but he is alive. And so it's a great episode because Dave's such a dog lover and obviously he's a trainer. And what he does now is offer some one-to-one 
lessons with you know normal people like me if you could call me normal and on the podcast we're chatting about his uh, uh one-to-one training and because uh, he does tracking and searching you see so using his police dog training to really help owners as well understand that dogs are dogs and that all dogs have massive olfaction and all dogs can find a tennis ball in a in a bush all dogs are capable of so much and uh so we're talking about this and i go gosh dave and he goes what and i said look i've had this crazy idea since prudence was a puppy because i'd mentioned she's like a super sniffer and i wanted to train her to find a truffle so dave said no problem right let's sort this out so we had our first lesson of scent discrimination trained by a proper police dog handler can you believe it i mean i get so excited about these things we were training in in the in this woodland so obviously it would be there's no point training a dog to find a the truffle scent at a car park because you're never going to find a truffle in a car park you know so we were in a real environment where there might have been some truffles uh long story short because she was clicker trained uh uh, she was able to get it, get the game. The game was to find this scent. And then she got a great game of fetch because as I mentioned, I, I, like, I think a lot of trainers really, um, use play as being the, the main reward and food, as I say, but the reward that prudence really wants is a game of fetch or a game of tug without a doubt, or a run around the garden, having some fun. That's, 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 that's Prue's reward. I mean, she's very happy to guzzle uh, cheese and ham and whatever. She's, she's got a great appetite. She's a little bit porky at the moment anyway. But anyway, this went on. So yes, the first lesson, we nailed it. She could uh, discriminate and choose the scent of the truffle over decoy scents. Are you impressed? I am. And I'm going to tell you a couple of episodes back. I yeah. interviewed a lady by the name of Prue. Really? Church, yeah. And her dog, uh, Sirius, who is actually a professional truffle hunting dog. And she did work in Australia and New Zealand for people that have the uh, oak trees on their property for truffles. Wow, wow. And what breed of dog is Sirius? Uh, a Labrador. Okay. Okay. Because you see, I'm a bit, uh, well, I love to be an, amb- an ambassador for bull breeds. Um, cause I'm sure in Australia they get a really bad rap or have done, you know, you mustn't judge a book by a cover. Absolutely. And so, yeah, exactly. And, um, uh, I really will, you know, I still hope that Prudence will be the first miniature bull terrier to find a truffle really in a woodland, just me and her, one girl and her dog, you know, and we're going to do it. But what happened was, so by September, we'd had two more lessons. I'd been doing our homework here and Prue was so reliable using truffle oil because you start with truffle oil only because it's, it's cheaper, it's easier to get. And yeah, it's, it, it's the way you start. And then Dave said, look, we've done it. We've got to now transfer to the real truffle. So I was like, yep, totally up for it. Then disaster struck. And Prudence um, managed to swallow 
Oh, a good chunk of something like a plastic fork, a shard of plastic. Um, I know. And this was on a Thursday. And um, unfortunately, you know, because of COVID, going to your, your local vet is now really, really difficult. You're not allowed in. You have to wait outside. Is it the same in Australia? Yes, it was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So difficult, you know, really difficult. Um, and they couldn't really find anything uh, to account for the fact she'd gone off her food for um, a day and a half and she was lethargic. And typically because she's prudence, um, took her into the vet and I knew she wasn't right. I knew and I couldn't work out why because she was still drinking and eating tiny bits, but you put a bowl of food in front of her. She wasn't right. I mean, I so knew she wasn't right. Anyway, take her to the vets. I watched through the window and because she's a show off, she was trotting along, tail was up, really excited to be at the vets, loving all the attention. So she was handed back to me. We can't really find anything wrong with her. Temperature's normal, blah, blah, blah. Two days later, things hadn't really improved. She was going down. Anyway, um, yeah, my GP vet did misdiagnose everything massively. So what happened was I demanded a referral to this amazing place that luckily is accessible to where I live. It's called the Queen Mother Animal Hospital, and it's the Royal Vet College's training ground. So a lot of student vets work, are there learning, but they're all supervised by the best. And Molly, way back, had had an incident there, and she came back to me. You know, it was a pretty, she had, she had the end of a raw hide knuckle chew stuck in her esophagus. Um, mm. That was Molly. So it was quite weird that Prudence had a similar thing. Basically, this shard of plastic had got stuck in her esophagus, but it only um, it had gone through the esophagus. So it had made a hole in it. So half of her esophagus was clear. So water could go down and tiny bits of food. Um, but there was fluid on her lung. It was like a big deal. It was massive. Um, anyway. A week later, she returned home, um, having been in an intensive care. She obviously survived the surgery. And um, it was all very, very 50-50 because they had to sew up her esophagus, which they were you know, very open with me. They said, look, the, the stitches may not hold because the esophagus doesn't get much blood flow. So it's... Um, it's the worst place to have a hole in your body, basically. Um, but yes, with a lot of rehab, um, uh, she's still here three months later. So um, we made it through a really massive operation, Robert. And you'll know, I'm sure, because I think every dog and their owner go through one mother of an emergency together. Would you agree? Um, probably at least one, yes. So you, yeah. you also mentioned before with her jumping, there was an issue. Oh, yes, a slipping kneecap, which we manage with, um, you know, you're into massage. You may well know this product. It's called Fotizo Vet Care. Uh, off the top of my head, no. Okay. Well, it's um, red light therapy, basically, in oh, a very yep. handy. Yes. Yeah, the yes. Cold, light, cold laser. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um and um, but this is using LED sourced light, mm -hmm. which makes it brilliant to use at home because it's totally safe for your eyes. Um, and as such, LED sourced 
red light is now really being used in the beauty industry for, uh, as an anti-aging tool. Whereas laser light, obviously, really won't do your eyes any favors at all. Um, and this light is a diffuse light, uh, but it works really in the same way as the conventional laser in terms of yeah, rebuilding tissue, promoting blood flow, creating lymph flow, boosting collagen and promoting natural healing. So we manage Prue's um, slipping kneecap um, with our Fotizo Vet Care to this day. Um, but what the Vet Care also does is promote um, healing of wounds and scars. So, oh boy, did I need it, you know, because Prue returned three quarters bald. Uh, with a seven inch, really awful. I've, I'd never dealt with a scar like that before because with Molly, in Molly's case with her esophagus, they were able to pull it out with very clever technology. Uh, but with Improve's case, because it was kind of basically stuck, it had got stuck, it had lodged itself and made a hole, they had to go in through her rib cage and access the esophagus that way. So physiologically, you know, um, that was massive. Yeah, but, it's um, very invasive. So invasive. And um, being uh, on the holistic side of the fence, Robert, I don't know where you are with um, things like general anesthetics and um, uh, a lot of medication. Um, treading carefully here. Um, but anyway, I, I'm not on that side of the fence, I'll boldly say. So luckily, Prudence in all her life hadn't had any uh, pharmaceuticals at all. And she she's not spayed because I don't believe in spaying and neutering either. So she was in fine fettle. And they took her down for the CT scan because um, they couldn't figure out what had made the the fluid in her lung. And the only thing that was going to show what made the fluid in the lung was a CT scan. And the CT scan, when they saw what it, what it was, um, well, they could, this foreign body and this hole in her esophagus, they couldn't believe her behavior. You know, overnight, she was like this, ta-da, entertaining everybody. As anyone walked towards the kennel she was in, and the tail wagging would make the side of the kennel vibrate, smiling, standing up, eating. Well, no, she wouldn't have been eating because she wasn't eating at that point. But she was happy. You know, she was really full of what I call the vital force. <laughs> <laughs> and then they walked her down to surgery the following morning to, to have this scan. They had no idea. Still, nobody knew exactly what was wrong with her. And when the CT scan revealed that she had a hole in her esophagus, <laughs> They just couldn't believe how she trotted through the hospital, saying hello to everybody on the way, getting tons of attention, smiling at everybody, which goes to prove the strength of dogs. Um, and also, I would say, the difference in breeds of dogs, because, you know, the Bull Terrier is said to have, to have the highest pain threshold of any breed. I don't know if that's true or not. But um, anyway... Anyway, she she um, is is okay now. Um, we still have to watch what she eats. So with her raw food, I can't give her raw food at the minute with bone in it. Um, so, so I just don't need another drama on my hands at the moment. <laughs> no. But anyway, so we had a four week strict R and R recovery period. Basically, we we didn't leave you know my my flat and my garden, and. Uh, Prudence for 10 days was really quiet, but, you know, not well, you know, recovering. 
But after her 10-day really good checkup at the vets, which is that critical number that you'll know if they live after major surgery for 10 days, there's a strong likelihood they are going to you know, be all right. So the first 10 days, it was dreadful. I was run ragged. I wasn't sleeping. I mean, it wasn't good. We were just drained. Anyway, then it got to the point where Prue was starting to get lively again, and she couldn't get lively. Lively was not um, an adjective that Prudence could have in her head. So it was difficult. So we used a lot of our great training that we built, you know, over five and a half years to keep her busy indoors with low impact, no jumping. That was difficult. And there were a few accidents, Robert. And I was like, oh no, she's going to die. No, I think but, that's the, the, the worst thing when, you, when your dog's had a, well, any sort of injury and the, the vet is just like, yes, and no running, no jumping for X amount of time. And I know everyone just sort of thinks, Really? I know the it's cat. My Gremlin's dog. here, by the way, Robert. Gremlin, my cat, is just now joining in the podcast. So, yes, we're, that's it. Good boy. There we are. Yes, don't, don't, please. I need to speak to the microphone, Gremlin. Um, so, um, I know it's, it's absolutely dreadful. I mean, dreadful. I had to blend all of her food. So, I'd roast chickens, blend it, make broth, um, add loads of antioxidants, immune boosting supplements. Luckily, my um, holistic vet uh, had, had already. Uh, the homeopathy was here when she, 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 you know, she got home. Sent you know really pertinent remedies um, to get into her straight away with homeopathy. Obviously, I had my Fotizo vet care here, so the first thing I did when she came in was mindfully use um, the red light um, on her scar, which looked dreadful. Have you had a seven-inch scar on your dog to deal with, Robert? No, I thankfully can say no. (laughs) God, I mean, it was so swollen. Obviously, seeing your dog bald as well is really a shock. She'd lost so much weight. She was a shell of her former self. She had lost three and a half kilos. Um, Oh, my beautiful Prudence um, was a Frankenstein. And she was very, very, very upset with this enormous collar, you know, collar of shame, cone of shame that they put on her, which was probably the biggest one that they make because of her long nose, you see. And she couldn't, she was really distressed with it. And um, so anyway, got home, took it off. And then I I put, um, it's a brand called Equifleece. They make these really great T-shirts that are cotton. Anyway, she wore that. Prudence, we're on air. Please, (laughs) we're on air. We're on air. Not now. You see, she's so demanding. This is because she's being ignored, as you all know. Um, Her um, attention-seeking is more than advanced. Anyway, we'll rattle on. And um, so the four-week landmark moment came, and I'd already booked a session with Dave Wardell and we drove out. Prue was so excited. We were in the car. We were going somewhere. This is great. Got to the woodland. She saw Dave and, you know, she was having such a good time. It was brilliant to watch. It made it all worthwhile. All the rehab to see her so happy. Um, But then Dave said, now Anna, she's been through a lot. And I don't, I know how competitive you are. So I don't want you to get upset if Prudence doesn't do very well today. I mean, what do you mean? And he said, well, here's a truffle, smell it. So I sm- have you ever smelt a truffle, Robert? Um, no, not from, not from my vague memory. 
okay, well, that's the thing. They hardly smell. <laughs> now, of course, to a dog, they're going to smell. But I thought, why have we just trained her to the truffle oil, which really stinks, right? You open the, you know, the lid and your whole house stinks of truffle oil. Uh, it's, um, why? Have, and I was like, oh, anyway, anyway. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? So she nailed it. She nailed it. She went to a completely different scent that, um, you know, it was not full on. And um, she did a couple of quite complicated searches that David planned out before he got there. And it was such a brilliant day. Um, we followed that up with... Um, well, the next session really was her exam on the 29th of December. So quite recently, and David really, this was a proper, we'd got de loads of decoy tins out that had been soaked in things like clove oil and rosemary. There were decoy tins with truffle oil to really confuse her. And we'd actually got a whole truffle. And so we'd had a, a whole truffle was really hidden. And Dave actually thought that that was the... Um, uh, find that she was going to have the most difficulty finding because the skin of the truffle was still all on the truffle. So holding the scent in, if you get me. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, she found that no problem. I was oh, brilliant. We had such a good day. We had such a good day. I can't tell you. And there's nothing like, well, day, it was an hour's session. Um, as lockdown hadn't quite totally gone lockdown. So we were able to do it. Um, you know, in, in, but you know, Dave's a policeman anyway, so we weren't breaking any rules and we we're in a forest. Um, and, um, yeah, so that, that was, that was that. So basically, yeah, that was the end of last year. Prudence became a qualified truffle hunter and the first miniature bull terrier in the world to be one. Yeah. So that's kind of, I hope I haven't really bored all your listeners now by. No, no, not at all. So um, I know going just back to the the swallowing of the the plastic fork thing, but one of the questions mm. I ask everyone, and it could be that could be the answer, is to complete the sentence. I can't believe my dog ate. <laughs> well, ate a shard of plastic. <laughs> yeah. The reason, as you see, because of lockdown. Our outdoor spaces in London have been really crowded and you can understand it. So lots of people hang out, you know, in the open spaces, they eat their packed lunches, you get me. But humans aren't very good at picking up their litter sometimes. And um, that's um, that's how it happened. Yeah, no, and that's fair enough. And it's the ultimate challenge and no one can really be 100%. And they just, sometimes it's just so quick that they take something in that they shouldn't have <laughs> exactly exactly and um well i'd thrown a ball that day and she was going towards her ball as usual and she's got a boomerang fetch on her but she was being in a bit of a, a madam uh, madam mood that that day i remember because i was rushing the walk that was why um so she went after her ball but then obviously smelt something that was a bit interesting went over to it i was too far away to get to her in time you can see it happening can't you oh. and um she ate something and i sort of you know it's not the first time that it happened and it's always been a bit of a worry um to be honest with you because in london as well there's often been you know nasty things like poison put down and poison meat and there's all sorts of awful stories over the years that um 
you know, I've been very lucky not to have had happen to me. People are nasty. People have put glass, crushed glass into meat. Mm. Mm. There was um, an incident of that, yeah, years ago now. But, uh, you know, there's some really, not everyone loves dogs. No, unfortunately. don't know why. Anyway. <clears throat> no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, our, our journey will now continue. Um, her scar is really, really well healed. And actually later that day after passing our exam, we've now moved to a different vet, obviously. <laughs> and um, so we went to see this guy that's really recommended called uh, Duncan Darcy Howard, a very British name, at the Royal Vet College in Camden Town, right, in London, in this big, really impending Victorian building, uh, obviously built in the Victorian era. It's always been at the vet college. Anyway, and again, I had to wait outside. He, he you know, had all our notes and examined her really thoroughly, came out and said, really, there's nothing wrong with her, Anna. And I was so relieved. And um, and then he, he, he said, and the wound, amazing. The scar, amazing. And because um, I'd made a bit of a hoo-ha when she was up at the uh, Potter's Bar where she had the um, surgery. As I said, I said, look, please, can I just drive my Fotizo up? Listen, you've disinfected. So we can't. And they were saying, you cannot bring anything into the building. You can't come into the building. Your Fotizo vet care can't come into the building. But it has to come in. So it speeds up the healing and it's best to use it six six hours after surgery. I'm writing to them, sending them emails with all of the information about Fotizo vet care. At least they know about Fotizo vet care now. Um, But yeah, I drove them a bit mad on that front um but anyway robert so yeah yeah so yeah that's it that's prudence yeah no so happy that everything has come out on a positive note thank you yes so so definitely so am i and everybody really because nobody doesn't like prudence (laughs) (laughs) oh it's been uh, a very interesting converse and enjoyable conversation well, I don't think it's been a conversation, Rob. I'm a bit paranoid now because I think I've talked at you, really. <laughs> and look, that is fine. It's all about hearing about prudence and I don't know, so I'm, I'm just enjoying as everyone else listening all about her. <laughs> well, there we go, yes. So, yeah, you, uh, but, go on. I was just going to say, do you want to give uh, any links for <laughs> people to contact yourself or oh, yes. any, any, any social media that prudence has? Um, well... Um, Prudence doesn't use social media, you know. Um, <laughs> so I wise, do all the social media. <laughs> yeah, she's a wise girl. Yeah, she's not one of these influencer dogs with um, a, a very enviable uh, following, <laughs> sadly. You know. So, um, yeah, so uh, on Twitter, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs, and I'm the same on Instagram, and I'm on LinkedIn, and on Facebook, I'm Anna Webb forward slash London. And then, Robert, um, my podcast is A Dog's Life with Anna Webb, and it's streaming on all platforms. Wonderful. Well, thank you again very much for your time. No, Robert, thank you very much, and I really hope we can stay in touch. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoy the show. If you did, please tell a friend how great it was. If by chance you didn't enjoy the show, 
I'd ask you to give another two episodes a try before making up your mind on whether this was worthy of your listening time. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family. <laughs>